You're listening to the Unshamed Podcast. We talk about important topics that are culturally taboo when it comes to the female body, mind, and soul. We want to break down shame that surrounds these topics so that women can be empowered in their everyday lives. Make sure to like and subscribe and share this with your friends. Hello, guys. Welcome to the Unshamed Podcast. Uh, We're actually broadcasting, not broadcasting, from Nashville, which is crazy. And I'm here with Sheila Harper. And Sheila is the founder of an organization called Save One. And you guys will hear about that in a minute. But on the Unshamed Podcast, we talk about topics that are typically taboo in regular conversation. Uh, We try to uncover some of the shame that goes into those topics by sharing our stories and talking about things. Um, So Unshamed is sponsored by Zoe Community. Um, We're an Irish organization where we empower communities to support women in crisis pregnancy. Um, And we also want to connect women to that support as well. So... um, we, you know, we want to do our part to have these conversations about things that are typically shameful as a way to counteract shame culture. Um, and shame culture, like, it really plays a huge part in um, women making decisions like abortion, like Sheila's actually going to talk about that today. Um, decisions that they might not necessarily make unless someone was, or unless they felt that shame from their culture around them. Um, So today, we are going to talk about a really painful subject um, for lots of people. We're going to talk about pregnancy loss, specifically abortion today. Um, And there are a few ways that somebody can experience, you know, pregnancy loss. I shared my story about miscarriage in one of the earlier episodes. Um, Today, Sheila is going to share about uh, her story when it comes to abortion. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of I think we need to have sort of a trigger warning before we talk about anything else um, because some of us have been through this. Not everyone who's gone through abortion will feel sad or will feel grief or any of the other things that a lot of people feel. Some people feel normal afterwards, but a lot of people do feel triggered when they hear stories of other people's abortions or pregnancy loss. So if that's you, just be kind to yourself. Um, make sure that you... Uh, stay grounded in the moment. And uh, I can share with you a few, uh, some of the ways that our our therapists who work with us, what they tell us to do to help feel grounded. Um, one thing is to, to take a minute and find an object in the room that you're in. And that kind of, if you can look at that while you're listening, it can kind of help you stay present in the room, in the moment, and not sort of, uh, you can kind of get up into your head and feel a lot of... Um, the, the feelings that you're feeling will feel more intense um, when you're not present in, in the room. So that's one way to look at an object. Another way is to, I can't really because my chair is really tall, but plant your feet on the ground or push your chair or push your back like that into your chair. And um, doing that can help you feel like you're solid on the floor, your back is supported and can really help you feel present. Another thing, I'm wearing my ring right now, my Zoe ring actually, um, is to take something um, that you're wearing or anything that's around you. I actually have a smooth little stone um, in Ireland that I have from the sea that I, um, sometimes I, I kind of hold that when um, I need an object to hold that may helps me feel calm. But my Zoe ring is textured like this. So sometimes I just take my finger and go like this on my ring, but other people use a watch or anything like that. And that can help you feel calm and connected to where you are right now. 
All right, that's some of the grounding stuff out of the way. Uh, so that's good stuff. I know. Uh, so I, I didn't come up with it. It's not from my head. Um, but Sheila, would you like to tell us about yourself and your story, how you got to where you are right now? Sure, so. sure, I would love to. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, as you know, my name is Sheila Harper. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm the president and founder of a nonprofit organization called Save One. And what we do at Save One is we help men, women, and families recover after abortion. And we do that because of seeing the the turmoil and the aftermath that families go through after making this choice. It's not just a simple choice that people make and they go on with their life. And like you said, abortion does affect people in all different ways. And you don't always just have this life-altering, like, you know, you've got to crawl in the bed and be depressed for the rest of your life reaction. Yeah. But most of the time there is some type of aftermath that a person that a person goes through, whether it's a man, a woman, or a family member. Mm-hmm. Uh, this whole organization was birthed out of my own abortion pain, mm-hmm. an abortion that I had on March 29th, 1985. It's a day I will always remember. I will that that day will always be ingrained in my head because for abortion for me was the most regrettable, most just most humiliating mistake of my entire life. Mm-hmm. I spent the next seven years just hating myself, hating life. I attempted suicide during this time. Mm-hmm. I became reliant upon drugs and alcohol just to get through the day. And I I just knew that checking out was the answer. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, you know, God miraculously saved me and, and mm-hmm. redeemed me and mm-hmm. through a simple Bible study that I found that I went to and thinking, how's a class going to help me? Yeah. You know, this is dumb, <laughs> what, you know, but I was willing to try anything at that point because yeah. I knew what I had been doing had not been working. No. <laughs> I wasn't getting any better. I was only getting worse. Yeah. And so I went to this Bible study and it gave me back my life on a mm-hmm. silver platter pretty much. Wow. And it, it was literally just women who came around me and loved me mm-hmm. and wanted to see me well and whole. And so I, I, I mean, seriously, since then, I haven't been able to be quiet about yeah. what God did for me because it was Jesus who came in and mm-hmm. healed me from the inside out. Yeah. Uh, that was in 1992. Mm-hmm. I worked in the pro-life movement till 94. I did mm-hmm. their abortion recovery, the pregnancy center that helped me. Mm-hmm. I did their abortion recovery. We moved to Nashville, Tennessee mm-hmm. in uh, 94. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought, okay, my time in the pro-life movement is over. Yeah. You know, I, mm-hmm. I've done, I've paid my penance. I don't have to do anything else. Mm-hmm. And so I came to Nashville thinking no one will ever know about that Sheila that was in the other town that, you yeah. know, was so messed up and had the abortion. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, God had a different plan. And yeah. He kind of led me to, uh, or not kind of, but he led me to start teaching that same class here in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And from that very first class that I taught here in Nashville, Save One was born, simply because Mm -hmm. I heard a woman say, if I could just save one unborn baby, Mm -hmm. I would be willing to tell my story. And I realized those two years that I taught abortion recovery at the pregnancy center, someone always said that. In the class, if really? I could just save one unborn baby. Mm-hmm. And so I started, but it was that night that it was like all the bells and whistles went off. And I knew God was wanting me to pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. 
And I started praying into it and asking God, what is it about that phrase that you want me to to pay attention to? Mm-hmm. And it was from there he just started downloading that I needed to write my own curriculum. I needed mm-hmm. to start an organization because mm-hmm. these women at the time and now men and family members needed mm-hmm. a platform to tell their stories. Yeah. Because the truth is what sets us free. Yeah. And we're not hearing a lot of truth in, in the world. You know, no. we're hearing that this is a good choice for women, a mm-hmm. good choice for men, and, mm-hmm. and abortion isn't. Mm-hmm. And so I started Save One thinking it was just going to be a little Bible study I taught at my church. Mm-hmm. And um, now, today, 20 years later, yeah. we, have, uh, we have over 300 chapters in 25 different countries That's around amazing. the world. It's been amazing. And Ireland has a chapter. So yes. we just started working on ours. You're one of, of our chapter leaders. I know. And it's it's very interesting because um, Ireland's the first, is it the first um, English-speaking country other than the United States that, or, uh, is, or is there one it, in Canada or? Uh, there is, there are some chapters in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you are our that from what I can think right now, and I, I can't keep up with all the chapters, mm-hmm. which is a good problem. Yeah, to that have, is a but good problem. I think you're the only chapter in the UK. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like yeah, in in the English speaking Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, gosh, it's so amazing how far things have come with just you know how like our pain. We feel like sometimes our pain. What in the world could this be useful for? Oh yeah. But you know. Um, when it, when you were back in that situation, you know, because there are a lot of a lot of um, people listening, men and 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 women, will have been in that place where they felt, this is the decision I have to make. Um, I can't really see any other way. What was the kind of motivating factor for you making? Okay, I have to go to the clinic. I have to do this. Mm-hmm. What was that? Was there a, th- a one thing or was it multiple things? Well, it uh, it was probably multiple things. One was the guy that I was with. I knew I did not want to stay connected to mm. him through a child for the rest of my life. That's so common and so, in my uh, Because I knew he wasn't a, a good influence mm-hmm. on me. But, I mean, it wasn't all his fault. I was a willing participant in mm-hmm. everything. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, kn- I knew that. So that was my number one thing. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I, do I really want to stay connected to him? Mm-hmm. And then I went to one of my best friends and I, I told her, she was the only other person that I told that mm-hmm. I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, it's no big deal. I had a, an abortion when I was 15. Mm-hmm. And when she said that, I was like, Oh, that's it. That's my answer. That's my easy way out. Yeah. And I was having a lot of fun with him, Mm -hmm. but I thought I can get this taken care of, but then we can just go back to what, you know, our regular life and keep on having fun. Sounds great. And (laughs) I was in college. I thought that's my answer. Yeah. And so the, so I made the, the appointment at the clinic and the closer that date got that March 29th, I kept thinking like, Something about this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. What is it? But I kept justifying it, thinking, well, the Supreme Court made it legal, so they wouldn't, you know, they're a whole lot smarter than me, so I thought they won't uh, make something legal that's bad. Yeah, that's actually really logical. I mean, I was reading, so we got to read her book um, that she wrote, many books that she's written, but one called Survivor. That's a short one. That's just this story, basically. Mm-hmm. But when I was reading what you wrote, I was like, um, that's really just so thought through, but why on earth would it be 
legal if it was harmful. Mm-hmm. It's a really logical because train of trust. thought. Yeah, yeah we exactly. trust those in authority. And I, yeah. I thought it's if it, you know, there's got to be more to it because they wouldn't do that. But yeah. I went through with it and then found out months later that mm. my friend who had told me it was no big deal had attempted suicide at 16 mm-hmm. after she had the abortion at 15. Mm-hmm. She didn't tell me that part. That's and really so tough. that's that is another motivation to get mm-hmm. truth to the public yeah. for me. It is um it's tough and I'm sure you've heard this from other people. Um there's a lot of people out there who have go on with their lives and they you know if you've read um stories from a website shout your abortion have you mm-hmm. have you been there? Yes. Um and so you hear about all that kind of stuff and then you hear people saying, you know, they they feel offended that people would share their stories, honest stories about what they've mm-hmm. gone through. And they say, look, I, I felt this, this, and that, and I feel like it was directly related to the abortion. Mm-hmm. But those people feel offended because they feel like you're shaming me for something that I've done. You know, like, what's your response in terms of that? Because this mm-hmm. is, we talk about shame on this podcast. So, like, yeah. you know, I hear that word shame a lot when women are... Um, and men who've, you know, been through this and are saying, stop, stop doing that. Stop saying this stuff because you're making me feel shame for what, for what I did. And I don't mm-hmm. feel shame for it, but you're forcing that on me. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's troubling that somebody would feel that way. And that's not your intention at all or Mm-mm. anyone's intention when they tell their honest story, because this would actually yeah. happen to you. So yeah. I'm sure you've had that thrown at you. Mm-hmm. What's kind of your... I guess response mm-hmm. when that comes at you. Well, I, this is what I usually think, and and it may not be popular, but but you can't shame someone who doesn't feel some type of shame. Mm. Like if I did something and I was fine with it, and someone else felt like it was bad, mm. I, if I was truly fine with it, it wouldn't force me to feel shame because you feel shame. Does yeah. that make sense? That, that's yeah. that's on you. Mm-hmm. It's not on me. So mm-hmm. to me, you, you can't be shamed unless there's already some type of uncomfortable yeah. knowing already there. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like a lot of times when they push back and they're so mean and so vile, mm-hmm. they're trying their hardest to get society to accept what they did because they don't want to face what they did. And I get that. It, it is a denial and a deception mm-hmm. because you, I, I just believe more in humanity, I mm-hmm. guess. I don't, I don't believe that yeah. you could ever pay someone to take the life of your child and it not bother you in some way. Mm-hmm. That yeah. it may be some type of phobia that it has turned into or, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is, I just have to believe that it, that you could that there is you would have to have a seared conscience mm. to go and do that and it not affect you in some way mm. and it's not always this horrible detrimental but mm. it, it it does show up like in not being able to sustain a relationship or having trust issues or mm. 
turning to pornography for mm-hmm. sexual gratification or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's outlets like that mm-hmm. that show up in your life that weren't there before the mm-hmm. abortion. Yeah. I always just turn to the fact and, and rely on that I tell people, I'm just going to help the people who this does bother yeah. because I'm not here to try to make you feel bad if you don't feel bad. No. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Yeah. And there's enough people out there that really do. Are, they're struggling every day after this choice yeah. who I want to get to and help. Yeah. get their life back and put their family back together mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. I don't believe you can violate, violate God's word mm-hmm. in such a detrimental way and not have some type of mm-hmm. consequences. Yeah, it is true. Like, you know, you're not there to put thoughts in people's heads. Right. Like that's not what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to make feel somebody feel guilty for something that they just don't feel guilty about. Right. But you know, like what we do with Zoe, like we're, you know, Zoe's not there to go and grab someone who's made a decision to, to have an abortion and change their mind. We're there to help, you know, support women who they, they don't feel like that's what they want to do, but they don't feel like anyone's helping them have any other Mm -hmm. option. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what we're there for. If someone says, Hey, I want to go do this, you know, we're not there. We're not there to make people's decisions for them. And likewise, like you're not there to say, Hey, do you feel fine about your abortion here? Let me tell you something that's going to make you feel terrible. Like, you know, I mean, because you've been there, (laughs) like, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that it's a really big ask you know, to, um, present someone with here, here's my story. Here's how it affected me. And would you consider listening to my story? You know, like if, if you're someone who's been through abortion and you're fine, you're grand, you're going on with your life, everything's great. Um, to, but, but deep down you might know, "Mm, something's not quite right, Mm -hmm. man, that's a big ask to ask someone to possibly open up their mind a crack and allow themselves down that road Mm -hmm. to explore those feelings because exploring those feelings could mean massive, um, psychotherapy bills. Mm -hmm. It could, it could mean lots of, uh, pending their lives. Yeah. Um, it's a huge ask. And so, you, you know, you know that going into it, that mm-hmm. that's a big, big deal that you could be asking of somebody, Oh yeah, you know, and that's why maybe some people might be responding so in hateful ways because I know sometimes whenever we feel affronted or we feel like, oh, we're asked to change something about ourselves that could be very drastic. Mm-hmm. We do not like that at all. Oh, mm-mm. and so, you know, that might be part of what's yeah. what's going on with some people. And, so. and I realize too, a lot of times when it's been decades mm-hmm. that they have since their abortion, a lot of times that has become their identity. Mm-hmm. And so I'm stepping in wanting them to change their mm-hmm. identity. <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense. Like True. I'm wanting them to change because they don't they don't recognize that they see everything through the filter of that abortion. Yeah. And they relate to people and mm-hmm. keep people at arm's length or something like that. So no one finds out their secret. Yeah. So I'm asking them to come out and I mean not go tell everyone they've had an mm-hmm. abortion, but to change the way they think about everything. So mm-hmm. it's really it's uh, it is a, a huge ask. Yeah. Um, off the top of your head, do you know about how many people have 
been through save one and you know like mm-hmm. in total i don't know if you know <laughs> i don't know yeah. um, over 20 years oh gosh yeah it's been tens of thousands yeah so i i'm mm-hmm. not sure i don't have a definite number yeah and it's hard to keep track especially with so many chapters mm-hmm. and and we hold yeah. our chapters very loosely like yeah. they don't have to send in reports or yeah. anything like that we mm-hmm. just stay in touch and encourage and mm-hmm. strengthen yeah well, I think I have three questions that I want to sure. ask you. Some stuff that um, I think maybe our listeners would kind of resonate with as far as what do we do now? What do we do with this information? Um, so question one, like what do you wish would um, change about society um, in terms of being welcoming to women facing unplanned pregnancy? What would I – well – We need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. We need to open up, especially in the church, Mm -hmm. because so many times in the church, I've seen this through this 20 years with with men and women coming to us, they turn to the church last. Like when they've exhausted everything else, then they'll turn to the church. Mm -hmm. But we need to make this an open subject so people can turn to the church and Mm -hmm. feel like this is going to be a place that's going to give me grace, that's going to (laughs) hold up my arms, that's going to support me. And so many times churches think if they talk about it and say that they will offer support to a young woman who has gotten pregnant Mm -hmm. and not married, then they're putting their stamp of approval on it. Yeah. But, it, I mean, why do we single out this one sin mm-hmm. and and we don't deal with everything? It's yeah. like this one is like, oh, you it's know. It's visible. Oh, you yeah. can see a pregnant belly. And oh, my I, gosh. And yeah. so many times we've heard stories of church girls who come in and they have been in church their whole life. I had one girl, I've never forgotten this. She was in Bible college, was involved at her church, mm-hmm. ended up getting pregnant by a guy who went to her church. Mm-hmm. And she said, I felt like I had to protect Jesus' reputation. What? And so they went and had a an abortion okay. and kept it secret for decades mm-hmm. because she didn't want to. She felt like it would damage mm-hmm. her witness, and which I mean, it would have. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I mean, it's what's most important. So anyway, and I've heard stories of. Um, Girls having to confess from the pulpit that they're pregnant. And what these actions do is literally drive people toward abortion instead of driving them toward Jesus. Instead of saying, you know what, we have all sinned, we've all fallen short, and so, you know, whatever you've done, you're welcome at this church and we're going to hold you and support you and... Mm -hmm. Just like we do other people. Yeah. But with this one sin, you're going to get kicked out of Bible college. You'll get kicked out of, mm-hmm. you know, the youth group. You're, and so we're literally forcing them toward yeah. the abortion decision mm-hmm. instead of toward life and love. Yeah. And, and it's not that we're not calling sin, sin. But at mm-hmm. the same time, is that what Jesus would have done? Like, is that what he did with the woman no at the well? Way. Is that what he did with the woman who was caught in adultery? No. no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, 
we, from the beginning, uh, those of us who started Zoe, were kind of like, shoot, Jesus and just the way he is with us now, you know, like all mm-hmm. this, you know, all of our faults and all of our anxieties and all that stuff. And then how he was, you know, when he was on the earth, gosh, that's, that's how you want to want to, that's how we want to do things with, with mm-hmm. Zoe. That's how you want to do things with safe one. That's right. I mean, I can't think of a better example and how to treat people who have done things that they're like, whoops, or, you know, that they just, they, they feel like everyone else around them would criticize them. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is never critical. Mm-hmm. And how in the world has, the church being a, a certain part of society, um, how have we gotten so far gone from his heart? I have mm-hmm. no idea. I so, know. yeah. but yeah, that's one way, like I agree, like I change how we welcome women, you know. Mm-hmm. And Jesus yeah. was critical sometimes oh, I mean, like church people. Oh, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was critical where he needed to be. <laughs> exactly. Um, but question question two, um, what do you wish that you could change about society? And that's just like in the church, out of the church, all over, um, in terms of how women and men are treated who've ha- gone through abortion. You know, if there was something you could change about about how how mm-hmm. people are treated, um, I oh gosh, there's so much. Question. I know that's a big question. I'll try to uh, slim down into something short. But mm-hmm. what I would want to change the first word, the first thing that comes to my mind is truth. Mm-hmm. We need to speak truth. We need to take this abortion issue and debate out of the political arena and put it into the church arena Mm -hmm. because this is a mandate from God that we're the ones that are supposed to be defending life Mm -hmm. and that it's not something to be debated on in committees. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, when you think about how that political mess affects those who have had abortions, men, women, and families, Mm -hmm. then they become hopeless because there's like, I I, I mean, they're looking at it thinking, this is a political issue. How am I ever going to get help for this Mm -hmm. when I see these politicians screaming and yelling and all of this stuff? And so it just makes them feel hopeless. So if I could change anything about society, it would be that more truth real truth Mm -hmm. is available to people because truth Mm -hmm. is what sets people free Mm -hmm. and that they would feel safe to come out and say, you know what, this is what I did. Mm -hmm. I know I am dealing with aftermath for this choice and I need help. We do need to have more safe spaces for people to tell their stories. Absolutely. Because there's just not a lot of safety out there Mm -mm. for people. And uh, yeah, but... You know, God will show us as time goes on how to um, creative ways mm-hmm. to, to make more spaces for people. You That's know? right. Okay, so last question. Um, for our listeners who have been through abortion and they feel, they feel sadness, um, they feel something's not right, if, if that's how they feel, um, is there anything that, that you could suggest one thing they can do right now to take a step 
towards mm-hmm. healing, towards feeling better, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Well, I, of course, you know, I always point people to save one because mm-hmm. we're literally just giving them God's word. And that's mm-hmm. what heals people from mm-hmm. the inside out. A very simple, anonymous, mm-hmm. um, very private thing they can do. If mm-hmm. you go to our website, saveone.org, mm-hmm. it's all spelled out, mm-hmm. saveone.org. Yeah. If you go to that and just sit on the homepage mm-hmm. for a few minutes, a pop-up will come up and mm-hmm. it'll say for your name and email address. Okay. And it just goes right into our data bank. We don't get like a notice that says, oh, you know, Katie Edgman signed up for the, we don't see any of that. It mm-hmm. just goes right into the database. Mm-hmm. But uh, if, if for your name and email address, you get a downloadable five-day reading plan. Okay. And that five-day reading plan just kind of, it's just a little sample of mm-hmm. our Bible study. Mm-hmm. And so it, we've had many people say, that's what got me started. Okay. That's what made me think I really could do this Bible study mm-hmm. and get help. So it's just like a little sample, mm-hmm. but it's enough to get you started to open up this wound and get you thinking about things. And yeah. so... And it's free. That's awesome. And I mean, even if somebody um, isn't, um, like there are listeners who aren't Christians, they wouldn't normally read the Bible, they wouldn't Mm -hmm. feel comfortable with that. But it's even something useful that they can can just kind of dip a toe into Mm -hmm. and, and just kind of suss yeah. it out a little bit. And um, with Zoe, we were actually work, uh, workshopping an, um, an additional kind of a, like a, just a talking group with people who they don't feel comfortable reading the Bible, but they want to talk about this. Um, or like, hey, I might feel comfortable in the future, you know, entry point kind of a deal. Um, we're just kind of working on stuff like that. But, you know, it, it can't hurt, right? That's right. <laughs> it can't hurt. It's That's not going right. to hurt you. So. And we do have people sometimes that are like, I don't know about all this Christian stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I always say, just trust me for a few minutes. You know, like just try it. And like you said, dip your toe in. You can do this in the privacy of your own home. It doesn't mean you got to like, mm-hmm. you know, go yeah. tell the world and mm-hmm. just try it at yeah. home. See what happens. Well, we, we kind of tell everybody to, if you're going to embark on any kind of a study or anything like save one or anything else, you need to have, um, you need to have ready the person you want to go to for your mental health chats. You need to have uh, a psychotherapist ready and have an appointment and get going with that before you start this, because, this might open a door to a lot of things that you need to talk about. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have somebody ready, it could be very, very, it could be hard to dig yourself out of that. Um, so if you're in Ireland and you're listening, um, we have a database of people we can send you to. If you're ready to, to do this as something you want to do, then uh, let us know. Send us an email. You know, you can hit like, subscribe, comment, do whatever you want. Um, And um, yeah, send us some info and we'll help you out. Yeah. That's good. Can I add Uh one quick thing? Mm -hmm. This made me think about it while you were talking. When I went through that uh, abortion recovery Bible study and Mm -hmm. I got my life back, 
I had suffered sexual abuse as a child mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And so when I had such remarkable results using mm-hmm. God's word in this Bible study, I found a biblical counselor mm. and I went to her because I was like, okay, I'm free from this abortion, but I know mm. this sexual abuse still mm. bothers mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So it was like I, I had that person that I could turn to mm. because it uncovered so much. And so mm. I went to her, met with her for 18 months, dealt with all of the sexual abuse, and mm-hmm. ended up writing another study called Finding You. Yeah, and I have that people one too. are using that for yeah. uh, small group studies mm-hmm. to deal with sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. So, so much could come from just simply dealing with our wounds. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's hard to be ready to deal with those wounds. Mm-hmm. I know from firsthand experience going through therapy, dealing with wounds is actually physically exhausting. Oh, it's absolutely. so hard to, to yes. deal with that. And we don't want to do it because we get comfortable. We actually get comfortable in our wounds. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. we know it. It's familiar. We don't have to do any work. It's okay. But... Um, you know, I'm. That's what I'm talking about with yeah. identity. Yeah, it becomes just this warm yeah. blanket that is you. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's 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 harder to to step out of that. But stepping out of that, you look back at your old self and you're like, "Ugh, how did I live like that? Mm. That was terrible." Exactly. <laughs> but you don't realize it when you're in the thick of it. You know. Um, Well, Sheila, thanks for sharing your story. And I hope that ultimately this helped everybody feel like, you know, anyone who's been through abortion or who's maybe contemplating it, you know, I'm not alone. There's lots of other people there who've been through it. Mm -hmm. Everybody has their own unique story. So even if you're listening and you're like, I don't agree with her, all the stuff she's saying, blah, blah, blah. That's her story. And you have your own You know, um, if you have your story that you want to share, we can help you. We can help you share it. Let us know in the comments. Send us an email to unshamed.zoe.ie, and we will talk to you about how how do you want to share what you've gone through. So let us know. Um, And uh, next time we will be talking about, actually, we're going to be talking with my sister-in-law. So it's really special to have her on the podcast. And we're going to talk about the subject of infertility. So that's also a really heavy one. So we'll go back into those grounding things then. But um, until next time, keep living unshamed. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Unshamed Podcast. Join us next time for another topic that we hope empowers you. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share this with your friends.